Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. Welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue with our study in the book of Acts, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem and along the way he meets with the leaders of Ephesus to encourage and guide them. We'll pick it up in Acts chapter 20 verse 30. Once again, that's Acts chapter 20 verse 30. Acts chapter 20. Now, verse 29, the danger that these leaders faced, the challenge that was in front of them to do these things, there was a danger that they faced. And so Paul explains this. He goes, for I know this. This is why I've given you this challenge, because I know this, that after my departing, after I leave, after I'm dead, that grievous wolves shall enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Vicious and cruel wolves will enter in among your leadership team, not sparing the flock. You know, wolves don't spare anything because they're there only to feed themselves. They don't leave anything behind. They don't share. They're not there for that. They're there to devour. Jesus and Paul both compare false teachers to wolves Now, we don't know what kind of false teachers Paul anticipated, but we do know what happened. While Paul was in prison at Rome, he will be visited by a man from the church at Colossae who is named Epaphras, who tells Paul that false teachers have come to that region of Asia. And then Paul writes the book of Ephesians and Colossians at this time, letters sent to correct these false teachings. And then he also dispatches Timothy to Ephesus to become the new lead pastor there to to deal with these things. And in his two letters to Timothy, he confronts some of these false teachings that have crept into the church there at Ephesus. Now, the sad part is that some of these false teachers actually arose from this group of people Paul was meeting with on the beach. Verse 30, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. The word there, perverse, means to cause someone to turn aside from the truth, to lead them into wrong behavior. And why do they do that? How do they do that? Because they're drawing them after themselves. They're luring them away from following Jesus to following them. Instead of making disciples of Jesus, some of the men on the very men on this beach would seek to build their own kingdom in Jesus' name. How do you tell the difference between a sheep and a wolf? Because you say, Lord, that's, that's crazy that there might be people in, in our very midst, there might be people in, in, in his midst you know, that were there that would become false teachers. 
How do you tell the difference? Well, it's very simple. Sheep eat the word. Wolves eat sheep. It's very simple. What are they consuming? What are they after? If they're after and consuming people, then they're not a, they're not a shepherd. They're a wolf. See, a true leader lays down his life for his sheep, just like Jesus did. A false teacher uses the sheep for his own purposes. Now, you might be thinking like me, at least I thought, how could someone who sat under Paul's teaching do this? How could someone who was this close to everybody who was on the team do this? Well, don't forget that Jesus picked Judas, right? We have a tendency to think that false teachers come with requisite pitchfork and demon outfit, you know? That that's how they show up. Hi, I'm here to work. In fact, no one knew it was Judas. They all had to ask, Lord, is it me? Judas was an upstanding guy. He he was very concerned about the poor because he was stealing the money. He was very good with numbers. He was not the one they suspected. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15 explains to us. It says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. I have seen the people that I've poured into, baptized, discipled, sacrificed time with my family to be with them in their crises, and love them through and through, say some of the most horrible things about me, and then tell others to come to their church instead of ours. It happens. And all of those good things can be forgotten in the moment of a single perceived slight. And thinking themselves to be something, they take a leadership role to themselves and begin to build their own kingdom. It happens. But don't let it happen to you. You know, in Colossians, I think it's chapter 3. Yeah. Verses 12 and 13. This is a good word to all of us. It says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, who are holy and beloved... It's in light of the fact that God loves you so much and he's made you holy. He's given you his righteousness. You have not changed yourself. Therefore, put on bowels of mercies. Let your soul be filled with mercy. The bowels was considered the heart where that was at, you know? And uh, maybe that's where the way to a man's stomach is through, or way his heart is through his stomach. I don't know, I messed it up, but. A soul filled with mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. Listen, we get offended so quick in the United States. We are so quick to be offended. (laughs) We get angry so easily. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they did that. We take slight to even the remotest perception of behavior towards us. But the Lord says, this is how you're to be with one another. Listen, if we put on all these things before we came to church, 
Do you know how much easier it would be not to get offended by somebody? Because the light of it is, if any man has a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do. See, if you have a quarrel with someone, you just say, you know what? Jesus forgave me of all the things I've done to him. I choose to forgive them as well. I'm just gonna let it go. Love covers a multitude of sins. I'm just gonna cover it up, bury it, and I'm, I'm gonna make sure, bury the hatchet, but make sure you bury the, the handle too, you know, so you can't go find it someday. Bury the whole thing. What a different place <laughs> things would be, wouldn't it not? Don't let it happen to you. Forgive easily. Stay humble. Apply the word to your life, not to others. You got the pastor's preaching, you're like, oh yeah, you listening? You know? Apply it to your life, not to everyone else. Because knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Always keep your guard up. He says in verse 31 here in chapter 20 of Acts, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears about this. He says, I've been telling you about this for three years. Remember, keep your guard up. Protect yourself about ever taking up an offense against another brother or sister because that's not what God's called us to. He's called us to the things we read in Colossians, a soul full of mercy, kindness, meekness, long-suffering, forgiveness, patience, Verse 32, we get to the final part of this leadership teaching. We've looked at the charge to preach the full counsel of God. We've looked at the challenge to take heed unto yourself and to the flock of God, to shepherd them, to love and feed them. But now we see the leader's commendation. Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. He says, brothers, I commend you to God. The word there, commend, means to entrust to another's care. Listen, at the end of the day, every leader needs God's grace. <laughs> and the best thing that you can do is you can say, Lord, I take the leaders that we have here and I just give them to you. Lord, fill them with you. Be gracious to them. Be kind to them. Help them, Lord, because they need help. <laughs> Because it's the Lord that's going to enable us to do his work. It's the Lord that's going to enable us to do this task. God's hands are always the best place to put a person, whoever they may be. He is always the best place to put them. He can take better care of them than you or I ever could. And so here he's now, he says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, God's message of grace, his unmerited favor lavished upon the infinitely ill-deserving and he says that word of his grace, it's able to do two things. It's able to build us up and it's able to give us an inheritance. God's amazing message of grace doesn't stop the day we get saved. It's not like, okay, now you've given your life to Christ. Now it's all law, buddy. Here's what you need to do. You're a Christian. You can't live the same way. Here's your list of tasks of things you need to do. Do it or die. God's message of grace that amazing grace takes us all the way through our lives until we reach heaven. And so here we see both justifying and sanctifying grace. 
The grace which saves us and the grace which keeps us. I'll start with the the justifying grace, which is at the end first. The grace which is able to give us an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. God's free gift washes us clean of all of our sin. It removes our guilt and it declares us to be righteous before God. And because of that, we have a home in heaven. Amen? His grace justifies us. It makes us clean. It declares us not guilty and gives us his righteousness. But it also is able to build you up. The word there means to build further or to take something further that is already there to build it up even more. God's free gift of grace doesn't stop at the day we get saved. It doesn't just give us an inheritance. God doesn't say, yeah, my grace is sufficient for thee. You got a home in heaven, but buckle down now, buddy. You're on your own. No, not at all. This is why I love grace. I would See, that's why I have to teach through the word because this is what I would teach upon every single week. Grace is so amazing. I need it for every moment of every day. It changes us. I'm not sanctified by trying really hard. I'm going to grunt and groan and make it happen. I'm going to be holy. Fruit grows from staying connected to the tree. And as I stay close to Jesus, that free grace is free gift. It produces fruit in my life. Not because I've earned it. Not because I've read my Bible, you know, six times this week and that's a passing grade. As I stay close to him, his spirit conforms me to his image. It is our portion as believers because God has promised it to us. In Romans 6, 14, that beautiful, awesome promise, sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you try really hard. No, because we're not under the law anymore. We're under his grace. Isn't that awesome? It's his grace that enables us to do that. I come to him and I say, Lord, I can't do this, but I know you can. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So Lord, I yield myself to you. I submit myself to you. I give you these hands so you can live through them. I give you these eyes so they only look upon those things which are pure. I give you these ears that they would not be used for gossip or complaining or or anything else. Lord, I give you this mouth for the same thing. Give you my heart to be devoted to you. Pour out your grace upon me, Lord. I can't do it on my own. And he does it. Overcoming sin is a gift of grace given to all of us. Are you laying hold of it? Are you letting him build you up in his grace and by his grace? Paul told Timothy, be strong in the grace of God that is given unto you. Not the grace of God that had been given to you, Now you're saved and now you're on your own? Isn't that what the enemy comes and he tells you? Oh, you're a Christian now. Yeah, God, he forgave you and, you know, and he showed you grace. He didn't give you what you deserve, but now you know better. Now you should know better. You're you're a believer now. How come you're not acting like it? And the enemy brings condemnation. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, amen? There's none. Why? Because his grace... (laughs) His grace is sufficient. And it's by his grace I can walk in the spirit. I don't earn it. I don't come to him and say, okay, God, now I've read my Bible and I've prayed for 30 minutes and you know, I've done all the things I need to do. So now, God, will you please you know, bless me today? Will you please change my life? No, that's going back to a legal relationship with God. 
And when you come to him and we say, Lord, I'm here to read your word because I want to hear your voice. And I thank you that you accept me just as I am. Here I am, Lord, now speak into my life. Change my life by your grace. Paul said, I don't frustrate the grace of God. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, and yet not I. But the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's all grace every minute of every day. We never will deserve it. We never will be able to earn it from him, his amazing grace. He commends them to God's grace because it is God's grace that makes us gracious givers. For he says in verse 33, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, one of the slanders leveled against Paul was that he'd been taking this collection up for himself, all this money. But you know, he wasn't in the ministry for money. He didn't live easy at the expense of others. He worked hard and he gave of his own possessions generously. And we should do the same. You know, I, I, I have a high standard that I keep to myself and, and I've challenged our leaders to do the same. We work hard. We do not slack off. We should never be in such a way that anyone would question what we're doing here. No one would ever wonder if we are really doing the work of God. Every penny that comes into this church, every penny that is given to this church, I take it very heavily that this is God's money. This is not ours to spend how we want. It's not ours to do with what we want. And if I'm receiving a check for doing what I'm doing, if the church is going to support me, I need to be faithful with what I do with my time. It's a very serious thing. Paul took it very seriously. And all leaders should as well. The grace that God has given to us is an amazing thing. And we should give it back to others as well. Paul worked hard and he gave of his own possessions generously. Are we doing the same? Paul said he labored. The word there means to work to the point of exhaustion. Paul worked hard. Paul said there are nights where he said, I, where I just sleepless, you know? It just meant he didn't get a lot of sleep, you know? Because he was tired. And that's okay. He gives more grace. He gives you what you need. But if you aspire to serve the Lord, it's exhausting. If you want to be a good dad, it's exhausting, guys. You don't get to come home from work and put your shoes off and put your feet up and turn the TV on and you know, spam the next six episodes of whatever's on Netflix and, and just veg out. Your kids need you. you know, they need you. They need your time. They need your energy. And you know what I found? I may be tired at the end of the night when I do that, but I've never regretted time invested into my kids. Never once. Never once. Well, Paul said, I did this and I taught you to remember the words of the Lord, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, how many of you have that in red letters in your Bible? Now, some of you may be looking for that verse. You won't find it. <laughs> we do not find these words of Jesus in the gospels. Now, because of that, some say this proves there's a lost gospel and our Bible's incomplete and we need to find it. I'm always fascinated don't get offended by this, but I'm always fascinated by how weird Christians can be at times. I'm just fascinated by it. You know, we've got like 66 books that we've got to figure out, and we're all, what are we all worried about? The lost gospel. 
Listen, even if there was one that was lost and I never found it, I got plenty of work right here, okay? I'm, I have not mastered the A text, okay? So we'll worry about Q later, all right? We'll worry about that later, okay? When we get to heaven and go, God, was there a Q? And I can guarantee you what he's gonna say is, all those guys at the seminary, they had no clue what they were talking about. I like to keep all the cookies on the lowest shelf so everybody can understand it. It's not that complex. We don't need to go searching for lost gospels. We have the gospel right here. So what does this mean? Well, Paul very clearly declares that it was oral tradition. He says, and to remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word there means it was not written down. It means it was spoken. This was an oral tradition. It was not written down anywhere. But others who had heard Jesus said, yeah, he taught us that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we know that from other principles of God's word. So we don't need to go searching for the lost gospel of Q. Verse 36 Paul's now concluded his teaching, and he's in a hurry, but he didn't leave with these heavy words as their last thought. I love this, that he takes them right into the throne room of the one that he's commended them to. And so it says, when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. Isn't that awesome? He has these heavy words to share, but then he says, guys, let's all kneel here right on the beach and let's pray. And he takes them to the one he's commended them to, How important prayer is, guys. If someone shares a burden with you, don't just say you'll be praying for them. Pray for them right there. Take them to Jesus right there. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I've got the situation. Can I pray for you right now? Let's go sit down. Let's go pray together about this. Let's take it to Jesus. Because you know what? I imagine some of these guys heard these words and they thought, I can't do this. Maybe I'm one of those guys who's going who's to end up being a wolf. I remember we were at Bible college and we had one of our teachers said, how many of you have ever thought you were the Antichrist? Three quarters of the student body raised their hands. It's interesting how the enemy gets to you because there's something about deepening your study of the word and your walk with the Lord that shows you the ugliness of your heart. The more you get into this, the more you realize just how wicked this thing is. And you think to yourself, I'm no good. (laughs) And you start to wonder, you know, will I betray? Will I be the one? Just like the disciples, is it me? I mean, think, is it me? Because they'd been with Jesus for three years and they thought, I'm not like him. And so he speaks these words to them of life, takes them to Jesus. Listen, God's grace is going to keep you. You're going to be all right. I'm going to pray for you right now. And so they all wept sore after he was done praying. They fell on Paul's neck and they kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. You know, Paul actually did get back to Ephesus. We know that, so... He was not correct in his assessment there. Uh, He was on his way there when he wrote 1 Timothy, we see. But what I love here is their amazing love for each other. You know what the scripture teaches? (laughs) It isn't the most talented men and women who change the world. Give me a group of men, a group of people who love Jesus and who love each other. And talented or not, that group will change the world.
when they love Jesus and they love one another, that group will change the world. You know, David's mighty men were an interesting group of people. (laughs) It says that they were the poor, the disgruntled, the ones who were evading taxes, and they were on the run. And they came to David in that cave. And we see them there, and that's how it first describes them. But at the end of 2 Samuel, it describes them as David's mighty men. Mighty men. They were men who loved the Lord and who loved David. They loved one another. And as a result, they did amazing things. Listen, whatever you are as a leader, you love the Lord. You love the people that you're working with. You lock arms with them. You lay down your life for them. And God's promise is that he'll use you. He'll use you. Amen? Lord, for all of us, as we find ourselves in positions of leading our children, leading our families, Lord, leading uh, uh, people at work or leading here in the church, Lord, fill us with your grace that we can do it. Help us, Lord, to take heed to that charge, to give people not our ideas, but your ideas, your word. Lord, to shepherd those that you've entrusted to us, to disciple them. And to do that, Lord, we need to be close to you first, to take heed to the challenge, to keep our guard up, Lord, to stay humble, to stay forgiving and merciful. And then, Lord, to rely only upon your grace, knowing that we can't, but you can, and that your grace is sufficient. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours, Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Strong.